welcome to the second attempt at the pilot episode of the Vexillogic Cast. Coming to you from Philadelphia, I'm Simon the Cannibal, and I'm excited to give this another shot, despite still having no clue as to what I'm doing. Today's episode will have two main focuses, an explanation of what to expect from this podcast, and an exploration of a few flags, constituting a half episode, maybe a little less. So, to start, I'm hoping to release a 15 or so minute episode once a week. For now, it'll just be me slinking into your ear holes, but I might have a guest as the podcast progresses. I do hope to have uh, frequent question and answer episodes, and to generally be guided by listener feedback, especially on the Reddit forums of r slash vexillology, that is V-E-X-I-L-L-O-L-O-G-Y, and r slash Simon the Cannibal, that has no spaces or underscores. I suspect you're here because you already know what this podcast is about, but for those of you in the dark, this podcast will be about flags in the most general terms possible. This includes their design, their history, and their construction, as well as some less quote-unquote hard vexillological topics like news about flags. At this point, I would like to throw out a few disclaimers. First and foremost, I'm no historian. I will use tertiary sources like Wikipedia and Flags of the World. I will, on occasion, indulge in speculation, though I'll try to let you know when I do. That being said, everyone has their price, and I'm no different. I'd gladly do on-site archival research if somebody wants to pay for it. My second disclaimer concerns quality. I'm doing this on a Chromebook and a borrowed microphone. Uh, which caused problems in the last attempt at the pilot episode of the Vexillogicast. So, uh, if for some reason money starts rolling in, I'll upgrade my stuff. Uh, Until then, you'll be stuck listening to this voice in this quality with this level of editing. My final disclaimer is more of a promise. Uh, Should anyone ever agree to advertise on this podcast, I promise you, the listener, that the ad will last no more than 30 seconds. If there's anything I hate in modern podcasts, it's long, rambling ads. To conclude the first part of the show, I wanted to touch on the why behind this podcast. My own history of how I got interested in flags aside, I have seen or heard several episodes of more mainstream shows touch on the subject, running the gamut from a passing mention on Hello Internet with Brady Heron and CGP Grey, to a gag on the sitcom The Big Bang Theory, which always gets brought up when I mention I like vexillology. As more evidence to bolster my claim of growing popularity, I've seen a Jeopardy category pop up, an episode of Number File by Brady Heron was dedicated to the flag of Nepal, and two episodes of 99% Invisible by Roman Mars talk explicitly about vexillography, that's the design of flags. Having given three fairly successful talks at Nerd Night Philadelphia over the years myself, I figured, what's the harm in recording my ramblings for a bit? So, I suppose, here we are. For this pilot episode, I wanted to talk about two specific flags in Florida as examples of how not to combine ideas. These are the flags of Pensacola and Tampa, which you may want to pull up on the internet for reference. Another good visual reference while listening would be the Florida section of the Wikipedia article on flags of the cities of the United States. Before we get to those two, however, let's touch briefly on some other flags to set the scene and to help you with the language I'm going to use to describe them. To set the stage, then, we should see what other flags are flying, competing with Pensacola and Tampa for visual space. Obviously, we have the flag of Florida, which will likely be displayed at the same time. The flag of Florida is a white field with a red saltire, that is, a big X. 
In the very middle is the official seal of the state of Florida, which I will skip describing in detail. If you were to see the flag on a flagpole, which is the entire purpose of a flag, you'd see a yellow ring around an off-white circle with three blue-green splotches in that circle. So, yeah, we'll leave how bad of an idea putting a seal on a flag is for a later episode, but suffice to say, it's a pretty bad idea. The other city flags in Florida are fairly standard American city fare, with lots of unnecessary writing that will be unreadable if the flag ever finds its way onto a pole. Interestingly, several cities pay homage to Florida's flag by incorporating a saltire into their design, with Coral Springs doing the best job of being unique with a blue-white-green striped saltire and a greenish-white splotch, that is, a seal of their own. Panama City is the least creative of these, using Florida's flag as is, with a blue splotch instead of Florida's off-white one. St. Petersburg gets special mention for being one of two displayed flags on the aforementioned Wikipedia page without writing, our intended victim Pensacola being the other. For the record, very briefly, it's a flag of six sunset-colored horizontal stripes fimbriated, that is, separated by very thin stripes, with a white outline of a pelican slightly off-center to the right. But yes, Pensacola and Tampa. There are various ways to combine flags. For example, the British flag is actually three flags in one, as is Detroit, though I have other issues there. But Pensacola and Tampa went a little nuts in their own special ways. Pensacola, nicknamed the City of Five Flags, was almost the oldest permanent European settlement in the United States, as any introduction to Pensacola seems obligated to tell you. They've been under the jurisdiction of five different national governments, the Spanish, the French, the British, the United States, and the Confederate States. Of course, this discounts the Muskegon people and probably the Creek, but that's a little bit more politically sensitive than I'd like to get into. And, as Eddie Izzard points out, they didn't have a flag, so there's not much I can do about it on this podcast. The fine folks in Pensacola decided that the best way to celebrate their heritage was to have a flag that was, well the five flags of those various national governments stitched together. I'd like to pause for a moment to say that I've never actually seen one of these flags, so there's no indication that it actually exists. It is entirely possible that the city uses five different flags on five different flagpoles as its official symbol. This I've seen pictures of, but it seems unwieldy. The combination flag, though, real or imagined, will be a pain to describe, as will any quote-unquote bad flag. Imagine a cloth split in quarters, with each quarter containing a normal horizontal flag. Clockwise from top left, you have a blue flag with three gold fleur-de-lis forming a V-shape to symbolize France. Second, top right, you have a British Union flag of 1606 or 1707, depending on your accounting. This is similar to the modern UK flag, with the notable omission of the red saltire. That is to say, it's a white-on-blue St. Andrew's saltire with a red St. George's cross with white fimbriation on top. No red-on-white St. Patrick's saltire. Third, on the bottom right, we have the 13-star Confederate States of America flag, better known as the Stars and Bars. This is not the battle flag of the Army of Tennessee or the Army of Northern Virginia, the image of which probably just popped into your head. No, this is a simplified U.S. flag with three horizontal stripes, red, white, red, and a blue canton, that is, a blue rectangle in the top left, with 13 white stars in a quote-unquote Betsy Ross pattern. That 
is to say, a circle of five pointed stars seemingly radiating out from a center point. I'll have a lot to say about this flag in later episodes, as it will show up often. That flag that did pop up into your head, though, that battle flag, that was in use until the year 2000, when the city council decided to make the flag both more historically accurate and more politically appropriate. Which also means that as recently as a decade and a half ago, the city could have replaced this terrible mismatch of a flag with something less cringy. Fourth, on the bottom left, is the flag representing Spain. Annoyingly, this flag is quartered as well, but does so in a heraldic manner. First quarter is a red field with a gold three-towered castle that happens to have blue highlights. The second quarter is a white field with a red or purple lion rampant that is three claws up and it's standing on one leg wearing a gold crown. The other two quarters repeat the first two as one would expect. And I should go off script for a second and say that this uh, flag to represent Spain is actually a terrible pun. Uh, it's called Canting in Arms, where it is the flag of Castile and Leon, uh, so it has a castle and lion on the flag. Now, that's not enough. We need to fit a fifth flag into this cluttered mess. So, cut that cloth of four flags in half from top to bottom, and insert a vertical flag separating the two pairs. This fifth flag is the current United States flag. All in all, it looks like the mess you'd expect after listening to that whole description. If I had to design it, I'd recommend taking elements of those various flags and incorporating them into one easy-to-create flag. Perhaps combine the cross, well, saltire, of Burgundy flag with a St. George's cross and toss a couple of stars and a fleur de on there. I don't know. A lot could be done. However, on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have Tampa. Oh, Tampa. F. Grant Whitney designed this flag in 1930. He took the idea of taking elements from other flags and kind of went crazy. I really, really can't do justice to this flag, but I'll give it a shot. Its symbols are meant to represent the U.S., Spain, the U.K., Italy, France, the county of Hillsborough, and Tampa itself. It's not a rectangular flag. Rather, it tapers a bit, then goes into a sharper angle. Think like the Washington Monument on its side. And instead of coming to one point, it has two V-shapes cut out of it to create three points. I'll try to make this quick, but this will be kind of nuts. It's a white cloth with the following from hoist to fly, that is left to right. First up, skinny vertical red, white, and blue stripes. These are a reference to France, I think, but it's obviously backwards. The blue stripe has either seven or nine US flag style white stars on it, depending on the version. Shooting off of that, perpendicular to the blue stripe, is another blue stripe that travels the remaining length of the flag with six more stars on it. These two blue stripes make a sideways T for Tampa. We have a patch of white, then five vertical stripes of yellow, red, yellow, probably as a reference to Spain. I've also seen versions where it goes red, yellow, red. These stripes, when combined with the vertical blue stripe and the horizontal blue stripe, make an H for Hillsborough County. Seriously. Where these and that blue horizontal stripe meet is the blue and white seal of Tampa, which is slightly left of center on the flag. Now we get to the diagonals. Shooting off that blue horizontal stripe are three mirrored stripes of red, white, red that form a chevron, or arrow, pointing towards the hoist. It makes a K with the yellow and red stripes, 
probably standing for Kill Me Now. Finally, at the end of the flag, there's what would be a green triangle pointing toward the hoist over top of that horizontal blue stripe. It's not a triangle, though, because of those V-cuts I mentioned earlier. The green shape, something like a B-2 stealth bomber, has yet another white star on it. The shape is green because, hey, there's green on the Italian flag, right? Finally, finally, the very tips of the flag are three red diamonds. Somewhere in there, maybe if you squint, you can see the UK flag. Also, there's apparently an F for Florida. I really don't see it, though. Any one of those design elements would have been enough to make a distinctive flag. Altogether, they make an unreproducible mess. You want to make a weird-shaped flag? Go for it. Look at Ohio or Nepal. You want to have a star-spangled T for Tampa? Sure, that'd be fine. But taken together, it's just clutter. So, there you have it. Without rambling on for too much longer, those are two examples of flag combination gone horribly wrong. I hope you've learned a little bit during this podcast, and I look forward to hearing what you liked and you didn't like about it. Seriously, if it was terrible, please let me know. I don't want to waste your or my time on it. If you folks would like to hear another, add a comment on Reddit, hit me up on Twitter at cannibal underscore Simon, or go to my website, simonthecannibal.com. It'll take me a couple of weeks to do another, but then, as mentioned before, I hope this to be a weekly feature. Best wishes from the Vexilogicast. Thank <laughs> you.